Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That is the reading of God's word. Good morning, you beautiful people. Sure, I'm glad to see you. I'm going to do the best I can to explain. Um, for those of you that hang around us, kind of know that we do we do everything uh, uh, months out. Um, and um, so I want to un- explain to you why we changed and why we are doing a series for the next four weeks called Stealing Christmas. And what had happened was um, I'm watching the um, Holy Spirit field uh, basketball team called the Kentucky Wildcats. It's God's favorite team. And... Uh, no, is that not true? And uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, Boomer, whatever. Uh, and uh, as I'm watching them play, I actually watched a commercial. If you know anything about me, I think those are worthless. Uh, when they come on the radio or Pandora, because I'm too cheap to pay for it, I just click mute. I mean, I, I, and I found out Pandora won't let you, so you have to unmute it and turn it down. You know, I just don't believe in commercials. And uh, there's a cell phone provider whose commercial was Thanksgiving. I saw it more than once. Thanksgiving. And they were doing their promotions, which I thought was, uh, it really defined us as a culture. And then I, this is, you know, culturally, I, maybe I'm getting, the older I get, the more cynical I get, I have no idea. But I thought in my mind, I'm like, Man, culture continues to take things that should be sacred and makes them unsacred. And we've ruined Christmas. We really have. It's a commercial holiday that everybody on the planet celebrates except for my Jewish friends. Everybody else celebrates the holiday Except for they, 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 none of my friends that are Jews do, right? They do Hanukkah and they have their own celebration. And everybody else I know exchanges some form of gift giving. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the scripture that Hannah read to us. And so I thought, okay, so now Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving. And people leave their families at 6 o'clock on Thanksgiving to go and get stuff, right? And I don't know if you saw any of the videos. I usually don't, but um, like the the car wreck watcher in me, right? Uh, Rubbernecker, I think is what it's called. I watched some Black Friday videos of people fighting in Walmart. And I, I was just crushed. I'm like, so you guys did that 
after you thanked God for what you had the day before. And I was, I, I was perplexed. And so I, I had in the, we were good, we were actually going to do something in this month of what it means to be a Christian, but live like an atheist. That's what we were going to focus on for this month. And uh, I started to begin to ponder, and I'm like, you know what, I really think we need to, I need to teach us, and I need to learn how we can steal Christmas back, and how we can take something that was meant for one purpose, and how we can make it what it's supposed to be. And so if you'll give me the liberty over the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to unpack this Christmas story from the first gospel that's in the Bible, and it's Matthew chapter 1. And Hannah read to us today verses 18 through 25. There's 17 verses that come before then, right? In the previous 17 verses, it's uh, a so-and-so had so-and-so. And and depending on your translation, it'll say, And -and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and he begot him, and he begot him. And, And what it does is it gives us a list if we are open and honest and transparent of dysfunctional and unlikely characters, and each one of them are woven into the fabric and lineage of the Savior of the world. And I love how the story demonstrates to us that God always has a plan, and he's always working something out. And I'm assuming that some of their lives were filled with the ordinary and mundane as ours are. And then there's these moments where extraordinary things happen through these people as they are uh, obedient to God and as they listen to God. It reveals how at any moment God can step into your life and make the mess that you have or the mess that you've gotten yourself into or the mess that you feel you're having to endure and make it beautiful. In spite of their faults and their struggles, um, God steps in and does something with it. If you read through that lineage, uh, there's a, a guy who doubts God, so he tries to fix God told him he was going to do something he's like you know what I'm going to fix it no big deal uh, and do, I'm going to do it my own way and he doubted God there's a con man in there I mean the guy every time we turn around he's lying or conniving and God uses him there's a prostitute she sold herself God uses her she's in Jesus's lineage there's a Gentile Unpure, the Bible calls a Hebrew, would call us dogs, Gentile, is in Jesus' lineage. There's a, um, an adulterer, and, and it all goes down to this, and you see it gets to this holy one, is what Luke says. All showing us that nothing is impossible with God in spite of struggles and failures and successes God sees it fit to share their story and make their story a part of Jesus' story. And I think uh, it's to show us that in spite of where we are or what is going on, God can bring himself glory through our current circumstances. And so we pick it up in verse 18. There's three steps in a Jewish marriage. Step number one is called the engagement Now, this could happen at a really young age because in Jesus' time, parents would sometimes arrange, most often actually, arrange the marriage between their um, 
their children. And the older my kids get, uh, I'm a big believer in arranged marriages. So, um, Maya is 15. Um, do we have any takers? I have an application, uh, background check. There's a bunch of stuff that has to happen. Um, you know what your earning income potential is? I mean, there's a lot I have to ask. Uh, um, but I could, I could see, and not the, I, I mean, because I'm sure this scares the Jesus out of some of us, right? But I could see how a parent would want to be active in the process. Like, hey, can I just at least meet him? And then I'll have a shovel and an alibi and I'll be gone for the weekend, right? You know what I mean? Uh, I understand this process. Like, I could see, I'm like, if I'm a dad and I could do this, like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm going to get to pick him, yes, or her. And I, I could see the benefits. But that's step one. After the engagement, once these kids are much older, becomes a process called a betrothal. And the betrothal in Jesus' culture, in Jesus' time, is, is, is as official as a wedding. And matter of fact, if you were betrothed to somebody, it lasted about a year. You actually had to file, you had to get a divorce in order for the betrothal to be separated. And there was no intimacy happening at this time. They were unmarried, and so they didn't get it on. So they're just betrothed to one another. And then the wedding and the marriage happens, and this is usually about a year after the process. So we arrive at this scene of Scripture. It opens up with these people begot these people, and then we see this young couple, this young couple that has been betrothed to each other. And we see um, that they both, and Luke gives us Mary's account, and Matthew gives us more of Joseph's account. The announcement of an unexpected arrival would not have been welcomed with open arms. Culturally, this would have made this young couple outcast of their society, and the announcement's consequence could have been death. I just want to paint a picture of where we are. Luke gives us more details around the announcement that Mary has. Mary is visited by an angel named Gabriel, and Gabriel says, I have good news, which I'm assuming wasn't good news. He tells her the Lord is with her not to be afraid, and that she has found favor with God. Matthew's account that was read to us this morning gives us Joseph's side. The Bible tells us that Joseph was a just man. This means that he was virtuous. He was righteous. He would have been a man that was keeping the commandments of God. And we see a man in the scripture, if you will just, you know me, I love to just reflect and read on small passages, but I'm, he's, we see compassion in him. He, he's, he's found out that the person that he's betrothed to is pregnant and he hasn't had sex with her. And he's like, okay, I'm going to put her away for divorce. I'm going to divorce her. But because of I'm, I'm just and I'm righteous, I'm going to do it quietly. I'm not going to make her a spectacle. And the Bible tells us that he's contemplating these things. We see compassion in Joseph where he's contemplating in culturally a very serious situation. Joseph is visited by an angel in a dream, and then it says he immediately obeys. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I like time. Like, God, let me know what you're telling me to do, but give me a few weeks to just make sure that you're right. I know your word says this, and this is the, the what, how you want me to live your life, but let, I, this is how I'm going to do it for just a little bit. 
We see that Joseph immediately obeys. We don't see him. We don't, I mean, I don't know if it happened or not, but I don't, we don't see doubt. We don't see wavering. We just see obedience. There's three things I see from this story about Joseph. Number one is this. Obedience is not always easy. Your obedience to God may go through what is a culturally abnormal or what people don't think is normal. Culture may think that you raise your family weird. Culture may think that your loyalty and sacrifice to a church is a complete waste of time. In Joseph's time, he is dramatically changing the course of his life by being obedient. And not in a positive way. The second thing I notice about Joseph is obedience to God might also cost you something that you don't want to give up. Joseph is known in his community as a just man. He's known as someone who obeys the commandments of God. Joseph would have never been seen as just again. When people saw Joseph in culture, they wouldn't have looked at Joseph and Mary as the ones who had favor with God. There's this weird sentence in the Bible when Jesus is making a proclamation of who he is. And I'm going to read it to you. It's in John chapter 6-ish, I think, maybe 4. It says, Isn't this Joseph's son whose mother and father we know? Jesus is 30 years old, and people are still remembering him as, isn't that the kid that was born out of wedlock? I'm reminded of Bethlehem. You may not think this is weird, but I always have. My wife and I were talking about this, uh, I guess it was a few weeks ago, and she goes, I don't think you've ever said that to me. She goes, I've never thought through it that way before. They are called to go to Bethlehem because Joseph's family is from Bethlehem. Joseph takes his wife, his betrothed wife, to Bethlehem so that they could be counted in a census, okay? So that means that everybody in Joseph's family had to go where? Bethlehem. Thanks for answering that question. I'll ask again because we're just remedial. Maybe it's, this is the first Sunday of the month or something. So everybody in Joseph's family would have had to go where? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. It wouldn't have only been Joseph. So you're telling me that Joseph goes to Bethlehem with his pregnant wife and nobody in his family has a place for him to stay? Maybe it's because they're like, he just made the worst decision of his life or he's covering up something. Joseph isn't just. Maybe your obedience was going to cost you something you're not willing to give up. And then... um, I think about this with Joseph. Obedience gives you confidence that God is with you. Literally, God is birthed to Mary and raised by Joseph. And every time I use the word literary side note, all I can think about is parks and recreation. It's just totally ruined. If not, do it later. Just watch it. Um, But God is birthed. Emmanuel is birthed from Mary. And is raised by Joseph and Mary. Joseph's obedience in this situation, I believe, gives him confidence to make a tougher decision in the future. There's a couple. 
There's a couple of decisions that Joseph has to make that aren't easy decisions. So how do we apply this? So if we look at Joseph's life and we see that obedience isn't always going to be easy, we can pretend like it is. We look at Joseph's life and realize that sometimes obedience is going to cost us something maybe we're not willing to give up. And then maybe when we are obedient, we realize that God is with us, Emmanuel. What does that mean? How do we apply this to Christmas? How do we steal Christmas back in a proverbial way? And this is what I would say just as in this story Jesus has to become the priority. He has to become the center of it all. If you're celebrating Christmas with your family and you are not imparting the actual reason that we sing, Oh, Holy Night, then you've missed it. And Christmas has been stolen from you. And Christmas is stolen from your family. So I'm going to give you three things. Everybody say three things. The first one is this, is when Jesus is the priority, the season becomes a celebration. You see, Mary and Joseph were obedient to the direction of God. They didn't need the approval or acceptance of anyone else. Sometimes God will ask you to do something that you just need to be obedient to, not worried about what other people are saying or are going to say. You need to let that become static. They don't need the approval of everyone. We are an approval-driven culture. If you think about it, right? Think about the relationship that you're in. Like I, with my wife, who I love and adore. We've been married almost 17 years next month, okay? I know I don't look that old. No, you're right. And um, I got to work on my material. Um, I need to, <laughs> Vargas is going to start writing my material. That will help me out. Um, we've been married almost 17 years, and even now there are times where I, you know, I'm, and I'm out of love. I'm, I'm seeking her approval, or I'm trying to make sure she stays in love with me. Right? If you think about your job, where you are, you're working. Unless you own your own company, and even then, you're, when you own your own company, whose approval are you constantly seeking? Everyone, You're seeking the people that work for you's approval. You want to make sure that they're in line. You're seeking your customer's approval because you want to make sure that they'll tell other people about you. In your job, you're seeking your manager or your director's approval. Why? Because by the grace of Jesus, they give you a raise every year, right? Please just give me 4% because that's the cost of living. It happens every year, right? And we're constantly in this approval-seeking mode. And when we become obedient to Jesus, then Jesus becomes the reason. And then it's not about approval. It's not about me comparing what other kids are getting and what my kids are getting for Christmas. And then it's not about who I'm spending Christmas with. It's about me spending Christmas with my family. Does your family know that Jesus is the greatest gift and that the greatest gift that we can give every year is giving of ourselves back to him? We have to steal Christmas back. Do they know why we celebrate the birth of Jesus? Let me ask you this. Is Jesus really the priority or is there bitterness in your life? Is there, we, we talk about this, this has become a mantra of ours, but Jesus plus nothing equals everything. When Jesus becomes, when he alone is what fulfills you, then you don't need nothing else. 
And a lot of times we put something in the nothing box, right? And so you get bitter. You could write it down. You know what it is. And when you become, when you're bitter through this season, you're basically saying, Jesus, you're not enough. Is there fear? Is there something God is allowing you to walk through that you're just fearful of instead of trustworthy of? Is there insecurity? If there's fear, if there's insecurity, if there's bitterness, that means that Jesus is not the priority in your life, nor is he the priority in this season. Don't allow there to be something in your life that prevents you from living out the priority of Jesus being at the center. And I'm not saying that that's easy. And I'm telling you that it takes practice. And I'm telling you that it takes discipline. I'm telling you that I'm still figuring it out. And I want to be a little bit closer and better than I was yesterday and I am today. There's an ancient rabbi in the third century. He said, if you will be no better tomorrow than you are today, what need do you have of tomorrow? So if we're not any better today than we were yesterday, why tomorrow? If we're not going to fall any more in love with Jesus today than we did yesterday, what, 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 why to wake, wake up tomorrow? He has to become the priority. He has to become the center of it all. The second thing that I want us to learn today, and I'm going to unpack this more in a couple of weeks, but just for today, just make a little point. And I'm going to move on. When Jesus is Emmanuel, we know that we're never alone. When God, in this moment of, of Mary and Joseph's life, God is with them. Like God is with us now and God will be with us tomorrow. You're not alone. So maybe you're going through a circumstance and you're having to make a tough decision. You're not alone through it. You know, I don't want my kids to think that they're ever going through life alone because I'm not always going to be here. Mom's not always going to be here. We want them to be dependent upon their relationship with their heavenly father, more dependent than they are on their relationship with mom and dad. When Jesus is Emmanuel, you know that God is with you. And you can go, you can face anything. And when we steal Christmas back by making it about God is not just with us in this season that we celebrate his birth, but he is always with us. It makes life easier to tackle. This was a long one. I couldn't figure out how to shorten it. When we spend time with Jesus, we'll hear the voice of Jesus, which gives us confidence in our direction. And Mary and Joseph, God chose them. And I believe he chose them in all of history because of the way they lived their lives. So maybe you do Christmas different than most. Maybe when you hear the direction of God, it becomes more about him and it becomes more about giving than it does about getting. I uh, I don't remember how many years ago. Actually, I might remember. But a few years ago, uh, uh, I worked retail leadership for years, right? And so the holidays were, I mean, I wouldn't ever be able to take part in every family thing that we had. It would the in-laws didn't get or the friends didn't get or the parent. I mean, it was always something. And we decided several years ago, uh, maybe about six years ago, 
um, I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I said, Christmas just has to be about us. I don't want Christmas to be about who we're spending time with. Let's just let it be about us. And so we made a decision. Christmas became at our home just about our little posse hanging out for an entire day and loving on each other. And then we made a second conscious decision, which was this, that it would be a day for people to be with us who didn't have family. And that's what we've made it. And so Christmas is no longer about me trying to get to my parents' house or me trying to get to my in-laws' house or someone. It's, it's, it's about me being in my house. I think almost every year we've done this, we've had someone that doesn't have family in town over at our house, and we just adopt them as family for the day. Now, I'm not telling you, I don't know what God's going to ask you to do. I'm not telling you that's what you're supposed to do. But when you listen to the voice of God and you hear the voice of God, it gives you confidence in your direction. We do that without, you know, we've got a lot of flack for it. Like, we've, people, families, then like, well, what about, oh, we don't want to do it the day after Christmas. Or what about, how, do, how can we get everywhere you need to get on Christmas Eve? And we, we're just, you know what, Christmas is about us celebrating our family together and loving on Jesus that day. Maybe for you it becomes a simple Christmas. Years ago, before we had as many kids as we do, so I don't want you to think that this was a financial thing. It might have been a prophetic thing to some degree. (laughs) But we decided that Christmas was not going to be about what we could get or what our kids could get. We've kept simple Christmas, Christmas simple in our home. They get four things. They get something to wear, which is usually pajamas. They get Christmas PJs. We invented that song and dance long before it became a YouTube sensation. They, um, then they get something to read. Um, we're readers in our home, and so there's always a book, maybe something we want them to read, or maybe something that they've wanted to read. So it's something to wear, something to read. And then it's something they need. And sometimes that's just a pair of jeans. I've tried never to make it socks and underwear because that used to tick me off opening that. Why even wrap that as a gift? Gosh, seriously. And then um, um, and then something that they want. So it's something to read, something they want, something they need, and something to wear. And my wife says it much smoother than that, but that's really what it is. And we do that as a way so it's not, it's about others. It's not about them. And what is so beautiful in our home is every year, almost all, especially the bigger set, are the week of Christmas making something for their siblings so that they can give their siblings something at Christmas. And every year, the little ones are wrapping up stuff that they got for their birthday and giving it to their other sibling. Like that's regifting at its finest. And you see this culture, and guys, it's not perfect. I mean, it's not. We've not got it figured out. But we know that this is what God's asked us to do, to keep Christmas simple so that our kids know that it's about Jesus. It's about his birth. I once heard this statement as you're thinking about the life of Mary and Joseph. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. You know how stupid that sounds? Serious. Hey, Daniel, safest place, center of God's will. Enjoy the company of lions for your bedding. Seriously. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hey, guess what? It's going to get hot in here. Go ahead. Step into the furnace. It's safe. I mean, if you think about, I mean, and I could go on and on. You think about Peter. Hey, it's safe, bro. Don't worry. Hey, when you die, we're going to, you're going to be crucified upside down on a cross. Safety. Safety first. Make sure you have your glasses on, Peter. I mean, you think about Stephen. He's preaching the gospel. It's safe. He's doing what God's told him to do, and he's stoned to death. The cross. How is the cross safe? I will tell you this. The center of God's will might not be the safest place to be, but you can be most confident there. So I will say the center of God's will is the most confident place that you can be in. The road you may travel may not be safe, but you can be confident in it. And when you are transformed by the truth of the gospel and Jesus becomes someone you are in love with and he becomes your primary love, like since me and Ashley have been together, she's always had another man in her life. And I've been real comfortable with that. I want to be number two in her life. It's Jesus, for those of you that are confused. You're like, oh, high school boyfriend. Um, he stays around. <laughs> he comes over at Christmas. He's there too. And uh, I'm just kidding. But I've, I want to be okay with that. I want to make sure that she's in love with, with him more than she's in love with me. When Jesus becomes the priority, we can always have confidence. So this Christmas, I want you to steal Christmas back. I really do. I want Jesus to become the reason that you celebrate. I want him to be the primary reason that you exchange those gifts and love on each other and drink eggnog. My kids love that stuff. It's gross. And um, if you're an eggnog person, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. And I want you, whatever you're going through, to know that you're not going through it alone. Whatever you go through this Christmas season, know that you're not going through it alone. And, and I want you to spend time with Jesus. Will you fall in love with him? Will you see the beauty of his broken body, his shed blood, and his resurrected body? The Bible tells us that he's now sitting on the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession on our behalf because he loves us. He's standing in the gap for us. And your life might not be safe, and it might be complicated, but when you're being obedient to God, it's really easy to live out. Now let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.